Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Well, good morning everyone. Thought it'd be a little louder than that. The Buckeyes did win yesterday, right? I mean, I always, I always hate preaching the Sunday after a Buckeyes loss. And so it's good to start off the new year uh, with a win and uh, ready to go and move forward. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to open them up to the book of Ezra. Uh, that's in the Old Testament. It'll be probably, if you open up right in the middle and there's Psalms, go back like three books and you'll find the book of Ezra. Um, the series that we're in, Restore, we're going to be talking about how do we restore our lives. Um, I want you all to think real quick about some possible ways that you may want to restore your life. It may be physically that you're wanting to restore your life. Uh, some of you may have already signed up for Weight Watchers or Nutrisystem or whatever. Uh, some of you, your spouse may have put you on a plan um, for the new year, whatever that is. Uh, you're getting ready physically to kind of restore yourself. Some of you are looking for ways kind of emotionally uh, you need to restore. These last couple years have been interesting with the, with the pandemic and all the stuff that's been going on. I uh, just wanted to let you know it's day 658 of 15 days to stop the spread. Okay, that's where we're at right now. That's what's going on. I read this this week that um, it looks like they're saying that the Omicron surge here in U.S. will reach its peak mid-January and then it'll be done, right? We'll be done with everything. We can move on. Some of you are looking emotionally just going, how can I move on from this? As we talk about restoring ourselves, some of you are looking at spiritually. What can you do to restore? And restoration is more than just um, a new paint job or something like that. Um, some of you realize that when we begin to restore things, sometimes you got to break down to the very foundation and get stuff going. Um, somebody today noticed I walked in and they said, oh, Dale, you got some new clothes. It's like, like that hasn't happened in years, I guess. I got married and now Brooke has partners that are helping me dress and uh, do things differently. Brooke has been very excited about that. We went shopping um, a couple days ago, did some gift certificates and things, returns. And, and so I went into a store and I selected some new clothes and these are not them. They're back on the racks because this is what I was told um, I'm gonna wear. So that's kind of how life goes now, right? So I've got restoration going on in my life as we speak. Uh, but sometimes we've got to dig a little deeper than just what's on the outside, right? Put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, right? How do we begin to work? What? How do we begin to work on, on who we are, on what God wants to do in and through us? And so we're going to start by looking at the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. We're going to spend about nine weeks looking at how do we get down and start digging at what it means for us to restore ourselves spiritually, um, emotionally, as a community, as a church. Um, what does it mean for us to begin to literally rebuild some things in our lives that need to be taken down to the foundations and rebuilt? So we're gonna start in the book of Ezra. This originally was one scroll, um, if you're looking at the, the Old Testament Bible that the Jews used. Somehow it got separated, and now we have two books um, about three people. And so Ezra will work through the stories of a guy named Zerubbabel and a guy named Ezra. And then the book of Nehemiah works through the story of a guy named Nehemiah. And Ezra is in there again at the end of the book of Nehemiah. And what has taken place is the people of Israel, 
because of things that they had done, uh, you know, the Lord through the prophets said, you're gonna, you're gonna be taken away into exile. The Babylonians came down, took them away for 70 years. They were in exile. And these stories that we begin with, with Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, happen at the end of that 70 years when they go back to Israel and begin to rebuild the nation of Israel. They start with a temple, they move on into working on the law and the community, and then finally rebuilding a wall. And so we're gonna work through those stories together. But I'm gonna ask you if you would just stand with me as I read to you um, the first four, first four verses of the book of Ezra. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God at Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, be with us today as we look in your word. Uh, we've got a long year ahead of us. Lord, we've been through a couple of long years. They don't surprise you. Lord, we pray that your word would become alive and active in our lives. Lord, the same way that you moved through the lives of your people and you began to bring them back to you, that you would do that in our lives. Lord, the way you rebuilt Israel, would you rebuild us? Help us, Lord, to submit to what it is that you want to do in and through our lives. Um, all of these things, Father, we ask knowing that you wanna move right now. So Holy Spirit, come. Speak to us. We know that you've promised wherever two or three are gathered, you're there among them. So whether in this room, watching online, or anyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, would you just speak in and through and to us right now? It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Um, so this, what Cyrus does, Cyrus is a king of Persia, and Persia kind of overthrew the Babylonians. And um, the book of Ezra says, this all fulfills what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet who was not very well liked. Um, when all the other prophets were saying, oh, we won't be in exile long, God's gonna save us, Jeremiah was saying, no, 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 it's gonna be a while. Um, most of us know one verse from the book of Jeremiah, and it's the verse that says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope, and we love that verse. We put it on mugs, we put it on refrigerator magnets. It's a great thing. You know, whenever I'm going through bad times, oh, don't worry, God knows the plans he has for you. We forget to read the verse right before that, Jeremiah 29.10. Jeremiah 29.10 says this, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things that I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, imagine if you were going through a really bad time, and I walked up to you and I said, hey, it's only gonna be for 70 years, but don't worry. 
because God knows the plans he has for you. You'd be going, can I talk to somebody else, right? I mean, I need somebody, is there like a 35-year plan? I was thinking more like a week, right, for me to get through this. But sometimes it takes us a while to work through the things that God wants to do in and through our lives. And so I'm gonna talk to you this week, this morning, about kind of the foundation of where this sermon series is gonna go. Uh, many of us want tools or we want food or sustenance. We want things to help us to get through these times. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit about what those are like. How many of y'all received good Christmas presents over Christmas? All right, how many of y'all got lumps of coal and wood? Okay, a few of you, good. Um, some honest people here today. Um, I'm gonna to talk to you a bit about tools. I did not get these tools for Christmas. These are old tools. These are tools, some of them are mine. Some of them are my dad's that are left over from times hence, long past. Um, how many of you men in the room remember the first hammer that you got? All right, this is the hammer, right? This is not my first hammer. My first hammer I ever got, I think I left in Puerto Rico. I left a bunch of tools down there for guys, but this, this represents the first hammer I ever got. It was something like this. It was a, the real hammer, not that little one. Do you remember as little boys when they wanna make you manly, they give you this little toolbox. It's got a little screwdriver and a little hammer and a little wrench. And this little hammer is good for nothing except breaking glass and getting you in trouble, right? Then you get a real hammer. And then you find out there are different kinds of hammers and different weights of hammers and roofing hammers. And so I've got a plethora of hammers at home, but this is, this is the one that I remember the most. This is my trusty, handy hammer for around the house when I begin to build things, right? Got to break things down. I've got sledgehammers, got all kinds of fun stuff. There's other fun things in here. Oh, we've got new tools now, electronic tools. If anyone wants this, I can't seem to get it to work. It always goes off when it's around me, and I don't know why. Some of y'all got it. It's a dad joke. For those of you who don't know, this is a stud finder. There you go. All right. Um, oh, this is one of my, this is one of my favorite tools. This is my, my rigid um, cordless power drill, right? Battery operated power drill. I remember my boys asked me one time, why do I, why do you, why don't you just call that a drill? Why do you call it a power drill? It's like, well, they used to have power drills that were corded with long cords that you plugged into the wall. What? You know, it's crazy. Why would you do such a thing? And then we had battery operated drills. This was awesome, phenomenal. The reason we say all those things is because prior to all of that, this, how many of y'all know what this is? Yes, all the ancient people know what this is. This is an actual drill that you put in the wall and it is battery operated and humans are the batteries. And when one human wears out, you just get another human, right? You get it going again. And so you have to recharge those batteries. You get the, I remember the first time I was introduced to this, this uh, instrument by my father. Uh, we went out somewhere and we didn't, there was no power out there. There was no generator and we had to do some stuff. And I was like, how are we gonna drill these holes? He goes, let me introduce you to your new friend. And so I got this thing today and developed blisters I had never seen before in places I'd never had blisters before. Tools, right? Tools are important. And in our journey of rebuilding our lives, tools are important. Tools help develop skill, right? Tools can help us build things. Tools are needed to help us develop the skills that we need. Um, we go to God looking for tools. Sometimes we go to church looking for tools. Um, the skills that we develop to help us through life. Sometimes uh, we go to friends 
and we look for tools, things that are passed down to us that help us learn how to live life, that, learn, that help us learn how to fix things that are going wrong in our life. So we all need tools. Um, those tools help us get through. So one of the things that we would like to offer you as a church this year, you all already have it. You may not have known on your way out today, you'll receive a card uh, that'll help you. There's a little QR code. You can go to Right Now Media. You've heard us talk about Right Now Media, but we've begun to use it a little more differently in the beginning this year. If you go out to Right Now Media and you've logged in, you'll see the little NAS icon, okay? If you click on the NAS icon, you will find a number of studies that will go along with the book of Ezra and Nehemiah over these next nine weeks that we'll be doing. So while you're at home, you're going, man, I'd like to, I don't know what to study. I don't know where to start. Just continue to do what we've been doing on Sunday at church and grow. Get together with some friends and watch Right Now Media together. It's kind of like Netflix. It's just Bible studies that you're watching. And so there's numbers of things there. There's one that's called uh, The Bible Project, How to Read Ezra and Nehemiah. It takes nine minutes to watch. You've got nine minutes. You can watch it, okay? It's a cartoon, okay? So you can watch it. It's just gonna help you understand a little bit more about the book and what God wants to do in your life and how the people at that time began to understand how to walk through that. The next thing you'll find is there are some tools for how to rebuild your marriage. There's some lessons there, people that you can watch that'll tell you how to rebuild and how to begin to work on your marriage. It's always good to continue to work on your marriage. Um, there's some things there for how to rebuild your family. How do you raise your kids? How do you do those kind of things? For some of you, how to rebuild your finances. Some of you may need to go back to the beginning and begin to start those kind of things. Those tools are available for you on Right Now Media. Another great thing to do is here on Wednesday nights and throughout the week, there are different classes that we offer. You can go out to the naz.church slash connect and find places where you can gather together with other people and learn the tools on how to rebuild your financial life, how to rebuild your family, how to rebuild your marriage, how to begin to work on some of the foundations. Sometimes I realize all it takes is a coat of paint here and there to make things a little bit better. Sometimes you've got to dig a little bit deeper, work on the foundation. Sometimes you have to knock out walls, do some different things. Realize that in your own life spiritually, in your relationships, the same things are true. We wanna help provide the tools that are there for you. God has got tools in his word that help you understand how to grow and live your life. Does that make sense? So tools help build skills. But the next thing you need, I think another great gift that would be good for us uh, coming into this new year is food. How many of y'all got food for Christmas? The gift of food. Oh, come on. You did. You got gifts, right? Um, I know for me, uh, one of my favorite things, I like coconut and I like chocolate. And so I got some of these. Coconut patties. They're very good. No, I will not share those. Uh, those are my favorite. Um, then I also got, how many of y'all get chocolate in your stockings, right? You get chocolate in your stockings, right? You did? Good for you. You want some more? Here's some more. Here's some chocolate. All right, have some chocolate. All right. Anybody else want some chocolate? Oh, there's some Lindor mints. There's Lindor in here. We've got some Hershey Kisses. So you can go home and tell everybody, our pastor kissed us today at church. It was a great thing. All right, have some candy. Um, but there's other things in here too as well. I don't know how these ended up in there, but raisins. Someone trying to tell me something. Um, how many of you, when I first moved here, I grew up in Miami. We didn't have mantles. We didn't have chimneys. Imagine as a little kid growing up, I didn't know how in the world Santa got into houses in Florida. 
I know up here, you all had chimneys, so Santa comes down through the chimney. I remember asking my parents, you know, does he come through the dryer vent? Is it through the bathroom vent? How does it, I don't know, but how, Santa got in our house somehow, but I moved up here and I found in this new house, a fireplace with a mantle, like all the pictures that I had seen growing up. This was a new thing, this was awesome, mantles. I put my kids' stockings on the mantles, it was great. You know, the stockings are hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. I never had that. This is awesome. I'm going to make memories. So I put up stockings and you put chocolate in them, right? And then you light the fire. <laughs> y'all are laughing because y'all know us people from the South didn't know any better, right? Until it's time for chocolate stocking, stockings, right? It's kind of what went on. But you have those. But I also got, here's some other cool things I got. Of course, I'm going to get some Coke. Not, somebody tricked me, I got water instead. And then of course, everybody, how many of y'all got a salad for Christmas? No, why not, right? Why not? I mean, you get chocolate, why not get better food for you, right? As we begin working, one of the things I wanna talk about, we need, we need tools for skill, but we need food for fuel. Sometimes when we go to begin restoring our lives, to begin working on things, we don't think through the fact that we need fuel to keep going. We've gotta keep working. Um, some of you that began to work your first uh, manual labor job, and you went out and you thought, oh, I'll just take a sandwich today. And the people that you worked for thought you should actually work, and they worked you hard. And you ran out of your one bottle of water and your sandwich by 10.30 in the morning uh, because you needed energy to keep going. You realized, I need to start packing a different kind of lunch. I need to pack something that's gonna stay with me. I'm gonna pack something that keeps me going. The same thing's true in our life as we begin to rebuild ourselves spiritually, emotionally, physically. We need to think through what we're putting in our bodies. If you're trying to live on Christmas chocolate all year long, you're not gonna get very far. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? God has given us his word to help us continue to grow deeper in him. If you're living once a week on what you get at church, you're not gonna go very far in life. You're not gonna rebuild the life that you want to rebuild. Some of you are going, this is not what I wanted to hear my first Sunday at church. I just came back to church because I think it's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. But God wants to be involved in your life more than just on Sundays. He wants to restore you. And, and it's not that church is a place where I just come get my battery charged back up for the week so I can get going. It's not just a place where I can come get filled back up in my tank so that I can keep going. Church is a place where you do find the tools to help you throughout the week. Church is a place where you hear the word of God and realize this word of God needs to be lived out throughout the week. Part of the reason we do the Bible in one year is to help us get into the habit of every day spending in time, God, time in God's word. Um, last year, while we spent some time fasting, somebody came to me and began to ask me about fasting. And they said, what is fasting for? What's it good for? Why do you fast? And there's lots of reasons. For me, one of the basic things and basic reasons that I fast is it reminds me that I need God's word as much as I need food. Okay, when I, when I quit eating food for a little bit, I get hungry and I want food. Um, one of the things, if you begin to fast for longer periods of time, is there's ways that you begin to go into the fast and then you start fasting. And then there's ways that you come out of the fast. 
Um, I did a fast one time, this really long fast. And um, as you come out of it, the way you can, uh, it was about 40 days. It was 40 days of a fast. So I didn't eat anything for 40 days. I drank water, I drank some liquids. And so coming out of the fast, you're supposed to start drinking like juices. And you spend a few days drinking juices and then you move into like salads and vegetables. Doesn't that sound exciting? And then you work your way up to after about a week, you can have meat. I've always considered myself an overachiever. And so that whole process is a waste of time. If I'm gonna spend 40 days fasting, when I'm done, I wanna eat, right? So I plan out that meal. How am I gonna do this? And so last time I, I did this long fast, I happened to be going back down to Puerto Rico to get ready for one of the trips that we were headed down on. And so I, um, I still can't believe I did this. Um, I ended my fast on a Friday and I was gonna leave Saturday morning to go to Puerto Rico. Um, there was a um, concert here at the church on Friday. And so my fast ended at about six and we had salad in the back room with pizza and cookies. So I did everything in the same order that I was supposed to. I had salad, <laughs> let it set for an hour or two. Everything seemed okay. So I had a cookie. That was fine. So I had a piece of pizza, cheese. That was okay. So I had a slice of pepperoni. I went to bed. Thought if anything goes wrong in my sleep, I'll know not to eat anymore. But I woke up and guess what? I was okay. So I got on the plane and I flew to Charlotte, North Carolina and got Auntie Anne's sandwich. It was like a pretzel with bacon and, or no, it had ham and cheese. So I tested that out and I added a Coke just to see how it would hit. Got back on the plane, it was kind of scary but I made it to Puerto Rico. So it had been about 16 hours. And I figured if every hour counts as like a day, that's almost two weeks, I'm ready for steak. And I had steak in Puerto Rico. It was a blessing. It was awesome. It was wonderful. And I know y'all are waiting to hear how bad the story was. It wasn't bad because I had put God first in my life. <laughs> Why do I tell you all this? You hear my love for food? I wanted some Puerto Rican food so bad. Man, I had planned out that meal. I could not wait to get there and have that food. And as I'm eating it, God kind of tapped me on the shoulder. He said, that's good, isn't it? I'm going, it is very good. Thank you, Lord, for letting me make it through. Not waiting a whole week before I got to meet. This is phenomenal. I have missed this food so bad. And it felt like God said, man, I wish you longed for time with me the way you longed for that food. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we fast to remind us that I don't live just on food, but I need God as much as I need food. Some of you wait once a week to spend time with God, but you would not dare skip a meal. Part of what fasting does is begin to remind us, I need God. God, help me to long for you the same way I longed for this food. Going through the Bible in one year is not gonna make you a better Christian just because you read through the whole Bible. God's not up there keeping some track going, wow, they read the Bible in a year? They're good to go. They could do five more sins. It's not weighing something out. God is wanting to spend time with you. 
God is wanting to fill you. When he begins to fill you, that sustains you. As you're beginning to rebuild your life, you need skills, you need tools, and you've got to use those skills, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes every week, but you've got to eat every day. You've got to spend time with God every day. Spending time in his word is what helps you do that, all right? The last gift I've got for you. It may be hard for many of you to see. It's air. I need, I need tools because those skills help me in my growth with Christ. I need food because I need fuel. Everybody say tools. Say skills. Everybody say food. Say fuel. Everybody say air. Everybody say life. I need air for life. One of the things, you know, every time I take a step of growth with God, I feel like, oh, man, thank you, God. I can't believe I never knew this. I'm gonna help everybody learn about this. This is great, and I feel like I've achieved that place in life where now I know what God meant for this life. And when I began to understand what God was saying to me about food, and do you long to be with me as much as you long to eat? That was a huge step for me to get to the place to go, man, I don't, I know that I don't. I want to long for you like that, but I don't. And as I began to grow and realize I want more time with God, and I began to hunger for God, I felt like I have made it. I long for God the way I long for food. This is awesome. God began to say, but do you need me like you need air? Do you realize that, Dale, sometimes during the day you go off and do things on your own? You need me all the time. Do you realize that when you're building something, you need to breathe? You get tired out carrying heavy stuff. You get tired rebuilding. You get tired going up and down a ladder. Sometimes we take breathing for granted. One of the most interesting things is I've talked to some people who've gone through COVID. I'm going, what was that like for you? They say, I appreciate breathing a whole lot more. Breathing. When you, you don't think about breathing until you can't do it. Sometimes, most of the time, most of us walk through life not understanding and knowing that God is right there with us. That the only thing that sustains us and keeps us going is his power and his grace. It's kind of like breathing. We just get used to it. We thank God for all kinds of things. We don't even think to thank him for the air we breathe every day. If the Bible, God's word, is like food to sustain us, to keep us going, to fuel us, then God's Holy Spirit and prayer is like the air that we breathe. One of the things that you'll find on that page when you click the NAS logo on Right Now Media is the prayer course. And I know some of you are saying, good grief, would you get off the prayer course? If you all will finally do it, I will quit talking about it. The reason I bring up the prayer course over and over again is because it becomes like breathing for you. And when you begin to understand, wow, I can talk to God all day long. The God that created the heavens and the earth and everything that exists wants to be with me all the time. He wants to sustain me and work in and through me all the time. I can't see him, 
But the more I begin to spend time with him, I can see the effects of him on my life. The more you spend time with him, the more you'll begin to see the effects that he has on your life. And the more that you begin to live that way, the easier it is to eat the food that you need to eat. The easier it is to learn the skills and use the tools that God has given you so that you can begin to restore yourself as an individual. You can begin to restore your spiritual life. You can restore your marriage. You can restore your family. I don't know where in your life right now you need God to work on you. But I'm pretty sure it's not gonna be a 30-minute episode you're gonna be done. That God has some things he needs to teach you. That God has some ways he wants to learn or wants you to learn that he can live in and through you on a daily basis. And there's some ways that God wants to begin to show you that you need him all the time. Now, I know for many of you, you're going, part of the reason I want to come to church is so I don't have to learn to rely on somebody else so that I can be strong enough to do this on my own. What we're gonna do as we walk through this series and restore is begin to help you understand all of the skills, all the things that we learn are not to help me be more independent there to help me restructure my life in such a way that God can do everything that he wants to do in and through me. It's a way of learning to rely on him. The skills, the things that I learn are just different ways of learning to let him live and work in and through me. See, as we read through Ezra and Nehemiah, every one of these stories, I'm gonna give you a little insight as we move forward. In every one of these stories, the people rebuild something, they get it done, and when they get done, it's kind of like, eh, wasn't quite what we hoped. Eh, not quite what we remembered. Eh, not quite there. Until God sends his son to a people called Israel and says, here's what all those things were about, was just to usher in my presence, my spirit, to be with you and in you and among you all the time. The more we can learn to set ourselves aside and let God do that in and through us, the more we'll begin to see his restoration in our lives. We'll see ourselves conform to his image, the very thing he created us to be in the very beginning. So, what is it that God needs to restore in your life? Is it your home? Is it your family? Is it your marriage? Is it your own physical health? Is this body that his, that his spirit dwells in, this temple in which he lives, do you need to restore that? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray that you'd be with my brothers and sisters that are in here right now. Begin to speak to them about what you want to do in and through their lives this next year. God, I pray that they wouldn't make resolutions <laughs> about what they're gonna achieve or what they're gonna do. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to set ourselves aside to ask you to live in and through us. God, forgive us for coming to you just for tools. Forgive us for coming to you just for fuel, for food. Lord, we know you bring those things and you give those things, but most of all, you wanna give us yourself. So God, I pray that you'd be with every person in this room, everybody watching online, everyone under the sound of my voice. 
that right now you would speak to us and you would, you would speak specifically to what you want to begin to restore in us. Father, as you speak to us, I pray that you give us the strength through the power of your Holy Spirit to live and breathe in you. Lord, that, that your word to us would be fuel to keep us going. That our love for you would continue to help us grow stronger, to become more like you. And finally, God, that we'd be able to use the tools that you have given us to live the life that you have called us to live. Lord, we know if we do all those things, we'll begin to see you work and manifest yourself in and through our lives in ways that we couldn't even imagine. So God, help us to give ourselves to that process, minute by minute, day by day, to allow you to be who you want to be in our lives. All these things, Father, we ask and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So as you got your eyes up, I'm going to get ready to dismiss you in just a second. Um, I'm going to share something with you. Um, We've got some news. It's not, it's not exciting news. It's not great news, uh, except for one person. And that person is Don Bowman. Um, some of you uh, that are in this particular service, um, you've never heard the name Don Bowman, maybe. Here and there, you've wondered who in the world Don Bowman might be. Um, Don Bowman was the executive pastor here for a number of years. Um, some of you may have heard the name Bob Huffaker. Bob Huffaker was a pastor here at the church when it grew back in the 90s and early 2000s. Um, but Bob's right-hand man was Don Bowman. If, if Bob Huffaker was the heart of Grove City Naz, uh, then Don Bowman was the muscle that pumped the heart and kept this thing going. Uh, the buildings that you worship in, um, the gym in the far end, those that are old enough know that that used to be called the youth building where all kinds of crazy stuff happened. Even prior to moving over here, over at the old facility, Don used to blow it out with about 600 teens uh, doing crazy stuff all the time. I was talking with his sons last night. Uh, they were going, you know, the stuff dad used to do, you'd be put in jail for now if you did those with teens, that kind of stuff. Everything Don did, though, was to help people draw closer to Christ. Uh, some people may remember Don as this guy named Herman who had goofy teeth and this goofy jacket and would do all kinds of things. Um, some of you may think way back to the Jesus of Nazareth movie in the late 70s and 80s. And whenever you think of Jesus, that's the face of the guy that you see. Some of you grew up a little bit later and you saw the, the passion of the Christ. And so when you see Jesus, you see Jim Caviezel, you know, the actor, that's who Jesus looks like. Uh, for many people, for hosts of people, um, the plays and things that went on here, when they think of Jesus, they see the face of Don Bowman. Don Bowman was Jesus, not just in plays, Don Bowman was Jesus in real life to people. Um, he made sure that they were pointed and directed to Christ. Um, last week, um, just before Christmas, Jan told me it looked like Don was beginning to make that passageway where he was gonna be passing on. And as we began talking about the funeral, and I said, we need to celebrate Don. You know, we're gonna do something big. And Jan goes, we don't want anything big. Don't want anything big. She said, Don wanted, he said, if you're gonna do anything, just wheel me over in the casket to the side of the building and just do a worship service for Jesus in my honor. That's all I want. Um, so tomorrow morning, the family's gonna gather at the cemetery, just the family, and have a small service 
But then tomorrow night at five o'clock, we'll begin gathering here. You can come visit the family. And at 7 p.m., we're gonna celebrate the life of Jesus Christ through Don Bowman and how he lived. And so if you wanna be a part of that, we'd love to invite you to come and be a part of that. And I'm gonna ask you to do something else. If you're here and you have a Don Bowman story, um, it can be good, it can be funny, it can be something that he could have been put to jail in for doing because he's dead now. And so, you know, who, who cares? Um, and, and when you hear me say stuff he could have been put in jail for, we're talking about like making kids puss around um, cubes of ice with their foreheads with no towel and crazy stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Don would just do crazy stuff. We're gonna ask you to take those stories, put them out on Facebook. Talk about how God um, used Don to point you to Jesus. Um, if you don't have Facebook or Instagram, you're going, I, I would like to honor Don though. Just write an email um, to info at the nas.church and just in the subject heading, put Don Bowman and we're gonna compile those stories and we'll put some of them on social media. Some of them we'll put on the website so people can remember and honor Don. Scripture tells us that we should give honor to whom honor is due and we want to honor Don Bowman. Some of you may say, I don't have email. Um, you can call the front desk here at the church and uh, let them know. You can drop by your letter to them. And um, if you're saying, well, I don't have a phone, I don't know what to tell you. Just figure out a way to let us know how Don impacted your life, okay? Um, Don always found ways of sharing Christ. Find a way to share with others um, what God has done in and through your life because of a man named Don Bowman. This might be a time for many of you who grew up in Don's youth group who are now in your 40s, Ooh. you're older, to reach out to friends who maybe have wandered from God. It's a time to reach out to them and say, hey, remember the Jesus that you gave your heart to, that you've wandered from? Now's a perfect time to start reaching out and sharing Christ, okay? That would be the best way that we can honor Don Bowman. Would you stand with me this morning? Before we get ready to go, I want you to say it again with me. We need tools, say tools, for skills. We need food for fuel, and we need air for life. Remember those three things as you begin to live out and let God restore in you what he wants to do in and through you. Would you hold out your hands? I wanna give you a gift. If you've received Christ this morning, if you, you may have taken time to say, Father, I want you to do that in and through my life. I wanna begin that journey with you and you're starting it the first of the year. We have a gift we'd love to give you. It's a box like this. You can stop at one of the new here stations. It's got a Bible in it and some helpful tools um, to help you begin your relationship with him. If you're watching online, just click the button that says, I said yes. We'd love to get that in your hands. But to the rest of you, I'm gonna bless you before you go. It's my prayer that the same God who filled Don Bowman's life would fill your lives in unique ways so that the lives of others in this world would be touched, that they would be restored to the image of God and that they would be able to live life to its very fullest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in the grace and peace of God and ask family. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.